From the EPR Creation Studio, this is the Unconquered Podcast, Hot Takes Edition, after Florida State squeaks out another victory, this time at Louisville on the road, Friday night game, 35-31, to to put Florida State to 3-0 and for the first time since 2015, 1-0 in the ACC for the first time since 2015. And, you know, honestly, uh, you got to feel pretty good about that, that part. Uh, this was a, a game that did not feel like they were going to win through most of it, but you can see how hard this team plays and how uh, how much they put into this. This is a team that does not quit. It's a very likable team. That said, it's hard to feel worse coming out of a win than this, out of a out of a good win than this, because it it sure feels like a, a pyrrhic victory. Uh, Guys were just dropping like flies on that field, on both sides. A lot of a lot of guys uh, getting getting helped off the field, and uh, really, two of Florida State's five most important players, and you could argue, two of their four most important players, go down with a knee injury here, and honestly, you could argue three of their six most important players go down with a knee injury. Jordan Travis, obviously, the most important of them. Uh, Florida State has not been the same team without Travis at quarterback the last few years. Uh, they put up a graphic at the beginning of the game that's just stunning, where Florida State, with Jordan Travis on the field, 6.5 yards a play since 2020. Without him on the field, 4.5 yards per play. That That's a, a huge difference. It's just a massive difference. And if he's hurt long-term, which... You just don't know. And and so, you know, I'm going to preface everything I say about this with the, we don't know how serious it is, but if this is a long-term deal and he's out for a long time or, you know, the season, that that really lowers your expectations for the rest of the year. Uh, we talked about it in the preseason. And I said, if, if Jordan Travis goes down in the first, you know, game or two of the season, this team could struggle to get to four wins, five wins. I mean, I, I saw four 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 games that they could probably win without without Travis. Now, as we'll talk about that, you you got to adjust that up a little bit because Tate Rodemaker played better in this game than I expected from him at any point in his Florida State career. But yeah, not not good, not good at all. And then you compound that with. <laughs> really one of the most important players you've got on the other side of the ball, and that's Jared Verse. I think really only Tatum Bethune might be more important, and he went down for just a little bit. Verse just is is such a critical player to what they're doing up front and, and the disruption that he brought the first couple weeks. He, you know, he, he was looking at it all ACC, maybe better, maybe more than that this year kind of campaign. And then he goes down with a knee injury, got hit on the outside of that knee, and you could see it cave to the medial uh, medial side. And anytime you see a knee cave in like that with you know contact to the outside of the knee, you, you worry about the, the worst-case scenario. And he did not look good. It, it didn't look good at all. And, um, you know, obviously those guys are going to have to be evaluated afterwards, but... <laughs> If you lose those two guys, I mean, that that really impacts you significantly on both sides of the ball. And then Robert Scott in the second half got fo- got folded up on, uh, got rolled up on, and went, went out with his own knee injury or lower leg injury. 
So, you know, and that one didn't look good either. So Florida State, I mean, Florida State might be three games into the season and down three offensive linemen and both tackles. And we talked about in the preseason, they couldn't lose Jordan Travis and they couldn't lose offensive tackles. They might be down both starting offensive tackles and Jordan Travis after three games. Unbelievable. I mean, it's just unreal. Terrible injury luck going all the way back to 2016. You know, when Derwin James was the, they built the entire defense in 2016 around Derwin James. And then Derwin James gets hurt and misses almost the entire year. And then the next year, the one position, and, and you know, we, we even talked about this before the season and talked about it before last season. That seems like every year since 2016, you say, well, they'll be in good shape. They can absorb, you know, they've built some depth in a lot of places and they can absorb some hits everywhere but. And then you name the position, you name the player, and then that is the guy that gets hurt early in the season. 2017, DeAndre Francois. Last year, we talked about how you know they have to have a healthy year at offensive tackle. Nope. It's unreal. Unreal. So, yeah, you feel like this, this is a huge victory to get to 3-0. Again, show proof of concept. This is a big deal for recruits to show, look, we're on the right track. But now you're going to have to start sort of soft-selling, like, guys, we might be in trouble. This is why we need you. This is why we need the depth. So it's just unreal. Unreal. Now, offensively, I have to say, the, the game went about how I expected. It, and, and, you know, frankly, they make two routine field goals, and they score the 41 points that I projected on 7.1 yards per play. And I, I projected them for just over 7 yards per play. So it's almost exactly what I projected offensively in terms of productivity, production. Now, I didn't expect that that would be what would happen with Jordan Travis going down in the first half. And, you know, they were playing great before that. I mean, you, you got to give them credit. They, they came out and they schemed up those first three drives, 200-plus yards in the first three drives, marched right down the field, carved up Louisville. And Travis started out, what, 13 for 13? Uh, handled business. And then things just kind of got off schedule a little bit. And then Travis got hurt. And one of those off schedule was a really unfortunate interception, just a, a terrible terrible uh bounce i mean that's that was a dime i mean travis threw a dime there to uh cam mcdonald and mcdonald was just late on the route has to turn his head has to get his head back to the quarterback who got got rid of it uh early because of the rush and mcdonald has to recognize that he can't just sit there and stutter step the whole time doesn't turn his head and the throw actually went off the outside of his hand if he had just had his hands out and hadn't even been looking then he he potentially would have just caught it by by accident, but instead it hit the outside of his hand, bounced up in the air, and got intercepted. I mean that's a terrible break. But Travis was playing great before that. I mean just phenomenal football. Looked like one of the best quarterbacks in the ACC through you know quarter, little over a quarter of play. And then he gets hurt, and everything everything changes at that point. And. To be honest, I thought once he got hurt, not only game over, but season over. I mean, frankly, that was, a, that was my thought. And, and I texted it to one of, one of my uh, 
one of the former teammates uh, who, you know, I regularly text during the games. It's like, well, that's season. And we were, you know, kind of commiserating about that. And here I've got to give Tate Rodemaker credit because I I came into the season, and like I said, I, I, I felt like if Jordan Travis went down, I did not feel that the backup situation at Florida State was such that they would be able to win games with their backups. And that's Rodemaker and Duffy. And I felt like Rodemaker, you know, could be a, a, a spot replacement in in places, but if he was asked to do something like he was asked to do tonight, it wouldn't it wouldn't happen. And felt like really ultimately if, if that sort of thing happened, it would need to be Duffy. And I don't think Duffy's ready. So, you know, I think he's a really talented player, but you know, he's still got a little ways to go in terms of, of adjusting to the college game and, and, and learning this offense. So you know, I didn't feel comfortable with that. And Rodemaker, when he first came in, didn't look comfortable, didn't look good. I mean, he looked awful on that interception before the half. I mean, I need to go back and look at that. But, I mean, he's either 20, 25 yards short on the throw or he's throwing to where there is just nobody. So I'm not sure what's going on. But, I mean, that's just awful. And, you know, he continued to do the uh, – he continued to show the problem of – poor pocket use and pocket awareness. He still doesn't seem to be able to take his eyes off the rush. I mean, if there's any crowding of him at all in the pocket, he gets panicky and and wants to bail. And actually his bailing early from the pocket is how Scott got hurt. He got rolled up on, you know, in that, in that case, but he had a pocket actually, he could have stayed in there and found somebody, you know, stayed in there just a little longer and at least thrown the football away, but you know, bailed early. So he's got a long way to go on a lot of things, but then, came out in the second half and frankly he he balled out played good football did his job managed the football game didn't do anything stupid and if he can just manage the game then he's going to give his team a chance to play he's going to give his team a chance to win now again if Robert Scott is out you know long term that takes a significant piece that you need to be able to manage that game. I mean, your surrounding cast is getting thin, but you know, it is what it is. Now, this was Johnny Wilson's coming out party, and you all know I've been beating the Johnny Wilson drum since he hit the portal, since before he was even uh, a commitment to Florida State, that he was coming to Florida State. I was saying, look, that guy is the guy that Florida State needs to land. He and Span were the were the two I identified as. Look, those two guys, Span as a long term guy, might be a first rounder. Those tools are off the charts. He's just got to learn how to play the position. And Wilson is an instant impact potential number one receiver in Norvell's offense. And we saw tonight why. He's still going to drop some balls. There, there's going to be some frustration at different points. He's going to drop some footballs. But tonight he didn't seven. Seven catches for 149 yards and two touchdowns. And he flashed why he's such a freak. 6'7", you know, 6'6 plus, and running like he did on a 69-yard catch. He very nearly housed that. I mean, not many guys that are 6'6 plus, 230 pounds, are outrunning secondaries. But that guy can move. And then, of course, it was comical watching him moss Jarvis Brownlee in the end zone. And they attacked Brownlee repeatedly in this game, exactly as uh, as you would expect. And, you know, Brownlee drew the short straw, no pun intended, uh, 
trying to cover Johnny Wilson all, all, all night. And Wilson ate his lunch. You know, he basically stole his lunch money and then took, took whatever he wanted out of it. So Wilson showed why I, I felt like this offense had – it was going to be different this year compared to last year because they've got some guys that can make plays. And that was the difference for Rodemaker. With last year's wide receiving core, Rodemaker would have had no shot in this game. In this game, he consistently had guys that were mismatches that he could that he could count on. Like that's a one on one. That guy's gonna that guy's gonna have a mismatch. I'm just gonna go there, and that guy would win his would win his route. And if you just put it in a zip code, catch radius, you got you got you got a chance. So. That's a big deal, and that that bodes well for being able to you know weather uh, some of the issues that that come when Travis is not on the field. I mean, you have you're you're significantly more limited offensively without Travis, but if you've got some guys that you can just throw the football up to, and they can go up and and make those big plays down the field. I mean, McLean had the one. Wilson had a couple touchdowns where he just, again, it's just physically superior to the guy across from him. When you have that, that makes life a lot easier for a quarterback, and you can just basically design around that as an offensive play caller. And defenses have to honor that. They have to cover that. So, you know, that's the that's the thing that, that gives you some hope coming out of this one, even if, even if you're talking about long-term injuries. And all three running backs handle business. I mean, I think Ward has shown he is the clear number one, but Benson showed the you know he flashed that burst and some and the ability to to break some tackles again. He does look a little tentative. Needs to you know get his pad level a little bit lower uh, between the tackles and and doesn't have quite Ward's patience or vision when you're running in between the tackles. But boy, his his you know shift from say third to fourth gear or you know first to third gear is is elite. I mean, his big playability is, is, is unusual, especially with a guy that size. So, uh, you know, brings you a lot there. And then of course, uh, Toafili with the 18 yard touchdown early on, uh, to, to even the game out early in the second, second half, that's a big play. And looking at how he set that up is good vision and then outstanding speed to the corner. He's still not the running, the runner again, between the tackles that, you know, you'd like, he's not what Ward is there. Uh, Ward is special between the tackles just because of his vision and, and ability to find space. But they handle business. And you look at what they did, 7.1 yards per play, that's, you know, that's getting it done. And 5.1 yards per rush, and that, that's including uh, sack yardage. If, we, if you don't include sack yardage, you're looking at 6.6 yards per rush. That's healthy. That's, that's good play. So all in all, Pretty good, and you have to hand it to Norvell and Atkins for how they schemed the second half and how well they handled Rodemaker, and they, they simplified things for him. And it was a bunch of RPOs, basically. RPOs with glance routes, those little slants behind the second level, uh, and you know some basic play-action stuff, and then some shot plays. And that's basically what you're going to have to do. If he's going to be your quarterback, you're going to have to run the football with all sorts of you know careful variety and variation in the running game to to manufacture some some running game while taking shots downfield to your to your playmakers becomes basically that much more 
You can't do some of the possession passing and some of the more aggressive stuff that you could do with Travis on uh, on that in, in third down and that sort of thing, especially you're just going to have to start going to, OK, we're going to we're going to go to more 50 50 tight balls and trust that our guys are going to turn them into 70, 70, 30 or 80, 20 tight balls. That's what you're going to have to do. And you're going to need to use Wilson and those mismatches at wide receiver even more, especially given what you've got at, at, at the kicker spot. Kicker's a mess. And, you know, they need to get, you know, maybe there's somebody with the soccer team who's redshirting who can come over and maybe she can be an improvement. But they're going to have to figure something out at kicker because uh, Fitz, Fitz is, uh, is a mess mentally and, and physically. Like, it, it, the ball's not coming off his foot right. So there's just there's a lot wrong mechanically. There's a lot wrong in his head. And, you know, you're going to have to find some new solutions there. It's not looking very good there. And so that means you're going to have to start thinking about more four down territory and you know in the uh that sort of uh 35 to 20 20 yard line area uh and then you're also going to have to start thinking about okay well it's third and eight this is four down territory maybe i just take two shots i'm i'm willing to take two you know fade shots to johnny wilson or you know one of my big receivers but johnny in particular maybe i just take that fade and see if I can if I can catch a pass interference or get a 15 yard first down here, and live to see another play. I mean, maybe you just start doing that. I mean, it, the old Jeff Bowden throw it up to Greg Carr offense starting to look good there. But you know they're going to have to figure some things out. And I've never seen a team that practices and emphasizes special teams so much that has so many struggles on them. And you know they they're going to have to figure some things out. They're going to have to hire a psychologist or something to to get that fixed. But uh, you know, now defensively, and the defensive side of the ball is going to be sponsored by both Lewis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida, and Shenandoah Newsma of ShenRealEstate.com uh, in Chapel Hill, Carborough, North Carolina. If you need any real estate or if you need to refer someone to any real estate agent in the greater Triangle area or in the greater Jacksonville area, Give them a holler. Let them know you heard about them from the Unconquered podcast. Defensively, this game was pretty far from what I expected. I mean, I did sort of warn that Florida State could draw good Malik Cunningham, and if he was hot, good luck. And, you know, I, I felt like they they got, especially for, through the first two and a half, three quarters, they got a, a, a steady dose of, of good Malik Cunningham. Now, he did cool off toward the end of the game. I think some of that was was coverage, but some of it was I think he got tired, honestly, just from running so much, and he his accuracy started to to dip off a little bit late in the in the game, you know, in the fourth quarter. I just think he got tired, and then eventually, you know, sort of faltered there at the end. But through most of the game, Satterfield and Louisville were a step ahead of Fuller in the defensive in the def, in the Florida State defense. They they handled Florida State. They handled Florida State up front. They uh, were able to scheme guys open downfield, and Malik Cunningham was able to do what he wanted through most of this game, and they couldn't contain him. I mean, you look at his, his numbers, 7.5 yards per carry on, uh, you know, for 127 yards, two touchdowns, and, you know, a lot of that looked easy. I, I was not a big fan of what they did in terms of how they approached it. I, I think... Uh, it appeared to me that they were trying to mush rush to just try to keep him contained. And to me, once it became obvious that 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 you weren't doing a real good job of that, 
even even though you weren't trying to get after him too hard, you you just go ahead and say, okay, guys, get loose, and we'll deal with the with the consequences. And I don't think they really did that until late in the fourth quarter. I think they did do that a little bit in the fourth quarter, and they used a spy a lot on him. And I think with Cunningham, that unless you have a Derwin James type freak, I think that that's just I, I'm not a big fan of that approach in trying to uh, trying to handle a dual threat quarterback like that. Uh, spies ultimately, you're a lot of times your spy is not quite as fast as the guy that that is a dual threat quarterback for a reason. Uh, and a lot of times the spy winds up kind of being blocked off or screened off and, and he's out of coverage, you know, different things that, that cause problems there. And all of a sudden he gets he gets walled off just wrong. And now you've got a guy running free. I'm I'm more of a fan of play robber, play, uh, you know, zone coverage just in general and play that honestly so that guys pass pass guys off. And then eventually, if he does run. Once he crosses the line of scrimmage, you all converge. I mean, I, I just think you have to do that. They did a lot of spy, and it, they didn't do so well with it, honestly. And part of that led to them getting killed on cutbacks. I mean, uh, Cunningham in particular, but a few runs from the running backs. In general, they were pretty good against the running backs, only 5.4 and 3.4 yards per carry, but that's still too high, especially that 5.4. Uh, you know, you're looking at how many total yards is that? 5.4 yards... Uh, uh, per carry, 91 yards on 17 attempts. That's not good enough. And a lot of that was cutback yardage. And what you'd have is you'd have that that uh, Mike backer usually that uh, in the way that they schemed it that would be responsible for the cutback lane. And he would come over the top too much. And instead of being in the lane, he would be well, he would have over pursued a little bit. And this is exactly what that zone scheme is designed to produce. And they did a lot of it with the quarterback. So quarterbacks taken off, and you've got the Mike and uh, you've got Deloach and, and Spy, and he's racing to one side in Spy responsibility, and all of a sudden he's out of the backside gap, which he's got cutback responsibility as well as Spy responsibility, and now the cutback, you know, Malik uh, Cunningham is running running through that cutback lane and gets a big play. So. I mean, it's hard on the on the spy there because you're trying to you're, you're responsible for that guy, but you also have to know that when when it's a called run like that, you're still also responsible for your backside gap, and that's what makes it tricky. But they didn't handle that all that well through most of the game. Uh, I thought you could see very clearly how badly this defense missed Fabian Lovett, Ray Jackson, and Farmer. They're nice complementary pieces to steal some reps during games you know, as, as the game goes along and, you know, guy like Jackson can give you three or four good, really good snaps as he's, you know, at a hundred percent and is able to play uh, at full speed there for those three or four snaps. But there is a pretty big drop off between Lovett and those three. Uh, and it looked like Ray actually hurt his hand or forearm toward the end there, which is uh, no bueno as well. But they, you could see they really missed Fabian Lovett in terms of, of how much space there was inside. And, and what Louisville did is they, they pretty clearly decided that they weren't going to be able to, to run the stretch as much as uh, with the success that they wanted against Florida State. And they probably went back to last year. And they didn't have a whole lot of success with the stretch, stretch running play last, last year against Florida State. And they ran a lot more inside zone and ISO type stuff, quarterback ISO in particular, uh, 
which is running more at Florida State and at those defensive tackles. And I think with Lovett on the field, that's a whole lot harder. But they were able to get some movement on the on the defensive tackle spot at Florida State in this game, and that, that made a difference. So you could see that being a factor. And then verse going down really hurt in terms of uh in terms of some of the horizontal stuff that uh that Cunningham was able to do because because of what verse his speed and his his explosiveness there uh and his length uh is able to do just just not not ideal uh they also gave up too much easy stuff i mean cunningham was able to kind of cut him up uh you know they were playing zone and there were there were too many too many easy spaces but i do think they started to find some rhythm late in the game there and were able to tighten up coverage wise uh louisville got really dependent on running mesh when uh, whenever they needed short yardage, and there were three or four plays where Florida State's coverage guys in the in that underneath area did a great job of passing that off or running with it, depending on the coverage. And you saw uh, Green in the one case make a make a play for a stop there. Green had a great day t- tonight. Uh, I thought I thought uh, he he played really well, and he's playing at a very high level so far this season. The other corner has not been so great, but uh, you know they've got one corner lockdown. Green has been very reliable. But Bethune got another break up there. You saw Dent get one right toward the end there. Uh, so this was this was really uh, they did show some progress in the second half, but it they're nowhere near where they need to be there. Uh, I, I did think, and I, I, w- I was talking to uh, Chad Wheeler about this, and you know he's he's a good defensive mind, uh, former floor, for, former Seminole himself, and he's a good defensive mind. We we're talking about this uh, during the game, and and. He noted that when when he had used uh, the mush rush approach as a defensive coordinator in the pa- uh, in the past against a really good uh, a really good running quarterback, he had noted that that sapped the aggression against the run, not just against the pass, uh, and it impacted the pad level because when you're mush rushing, you're you're trying to stay in your lane, you're trying to compress the pocket, but you're doing so more with, while you're looking up, you're keeping your eyes kind of at the quarterback. And that can prevent you when you when you get a team that's that's trying to run run the football on you. That can prevent you from being as effective in those in those run lanes and, and getting penetration and all of those things because you're playing higher. So he, he observed that. I think that was probably a factor here. I think the mush rush approach took away their aggression both against the run and the pass, and you know, it impacted things pretty significantly. Uh, but they did turn it up late. Uh, they did close down some of those lanes, and they did get pressure on on Cunningham at the end there, and that they got that turnover. And you know they got lucky on turnovers tonight. I mean they they would not have won this game without Louisville's three turnovers. I mean they had the one inside the five yard line, which was just a bad exchange, a bad handoff, and then that final interception where you, they got pressure, and then Cunningham just made a bad throw. So uh, you know. They're, they don't win this game without those turnovers, and and so this is one of those wins where I don't expect that Florida State's going to get a whole lot of love from the uh, from the advanced metrics uh, from you know SP plus and uh, FPI and that sort of thing. I, I don't think this is going to help Florida State a bunch, but in terms of record, it helps a whole lot, and in terms of of narrative about the program, it helps a whole lot. Then uh, I will say Travis interception was also unlucky, so that does uneven or that evens it out just a little bit in terms of the turnover luck. But uh, this is one of those games where I think, I suspect if you look at this game in the advanced metrics, 
you're going to find that Florida State is expected to lose by you know three or four or something like that and manage to pull it out because of those turnovers. So um, yeah, but I, I'll take that. You know, you'll take that every time as a as a coach, as a player. You know, no such thing as an ugly win. Every win is beautiful in its own way, and this is basically what. Uh, what Florida State's going to going to take away from this, and this is going to be one of those where you're going to hear Mike Norvell talk about how proud he is of this team and how they fought and you know overcoming adversity and all of that, and that's going to be a rallying cry for as long as these team leaders and crucial players are out. That's what they're going to focus on. So, I think there is serious reason, you know, coming bringing this to, to a conclusion. I think there is serious reason for concern mo- moving forward. Uh, I think you can beat Boston College with with Tate Rodemaker, and especially if he plays like he did in the second half of this game. But that's no guarantee that that's a game where you feel like you're you should be favored by you know twenty four or something like that with Travis. With Rodemaker, there's enough uncertainty that you're just not sure about that. You 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 need to see it. So suddenly that game becomes one that you have to worry about a little bit. And then you look forward and you say, you know, if it's Rodemaker. Long term, can you outscore Wake with him? Because you're going to have to outscore him. Can you can you beat NC State with him? You know, look what NC State did defensively to Florida State last year with with uh, Mackenzie Milton at quarterback. That was that was uncompetitive. Florida State could not move the ball at all against NC State with Milton at quarterback last year. So, can they beat NC State with with Rodemaker? I don't know. Clemson. Yeah, that's that's unlikely. You're probably going to need Travis to even be competitive there. Miami, we'll see. And then you know, Verse is a huge part of the defense. I mean, he's a, a major factor, a difference maker that you brought in on that level. And you know, how how much is that defense going to be impacted by by that loss if he's gone long term? You you just don't know. I mean, you hope that these are short term injuries, but you just don't know. And neither of them looked real good. And with Robert Scott, I mean, that didn't look good either. So, I mean, what does your season look like without – these are, you know, probably three of the top six or seven players on your roster, most important. And if you're having to play the rest of the season without them, that, that really – that's a concern. So, I think despite this win, if you're going to be without two or three or one of even one of those guys long term I think you have to adjust your season expectations down a little bit and you know going into this game I felt like nine and three was in the cards if they won this game you know you get to three and oh here you get BC you feel good there with Travis you feel pretty good about the chances of beating Wake Forest you get to five and oh and then you you got to win four more for the rest of the year to go nine and three you feel like you can do that against the rest of that schedule with Jordan Travis, you know, staying reasonably healthy. Now, I mean, if 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 the the injury to Travis, if the injury to to Verse, if these are and, and Scott, you know, if you're looking at long term injuries, I think it's going to be a fight to get to seven. You feel good about Louisiana. You feel pretty good about Boston College and reasonably good about Georgia Tech, but the rest of them are are. You know, games that you're probably not going to be favored to win with with without Travis at quarterback, just because of what kind of player and what a difference maker he is for your offense. So they're going to have to really do some work if if that's the case, and they're going to need to have Duffy ready. I mean, you just don't know. I mean, with Rodemaker, if he can play like he did in the second half of this game, 
the rest of the year. And if, if they can have some counters for when teams try to take some of the things that they did away, then, you know, maybe they can continue to, to win. I mean, they, with the difference makers at receiver, it makes a big difference. That's why they're difference makers. That, that does help a lot in terms of adjusting your expectations. But, you know, if he starts to really struggle, you need to have Duffy ready to come on the field. And then the other thing is if, if, if Travis is out long-term, and again, this is an if. We'll know more when we know more, I guess. Uh, you only have two quarterbacks left. And you know, you got to look at, you know, Chubba Purdy made a really bad decision. But, you know, you only got two quarterbacks left. And if one more guy goes down, you're going to have to start getting, you know, a Deuce Span or Travis J some emergency reps at quarterback and prepping that guy to know what he's doing just in case. It's not what you want to hear at this point in the season, but I will say that 3-0 and sounds pretty good. Florida State, one of two teams in the country that's 3-0 and right now. Florida State, North Carolina, the only two teams in the country that are 3-0. and So that much you can enjoy. And prayers up for the young men who uh, are going to have their lower extremities looked at after a very physical and, and unfortunate game of with lots of injuries in it. Uh, hopefully those guys are not hurt long-term, and, and hopefully uh, they're able to come back. But uh, Florida State 3-0 for the first time since 2015, 1-0 in conference for the first time since 2015. That'll do. This has been the Unconquered Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Staples. Thanks for listening. The Unconquered Podcast is brought to you by EPR Creations, Louis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida, ShenRealEstate.com in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, Garage Makeovers of Palm Beach in Broward County, and the Unconquered Podcast shop at UnconqueredPodcast.com, which features stickers, magnets, and other seminal gear. Thanks also to those supporters over at Patreon, where I post video analysis and field questions for the podcast from supporters. I'm especially grateful to those above the dynasty level, that is Andrew Garrett, Brian Leininger, Jonathan Kennedy, Lee Caswell, Travis Smith, Tyler Kashishki, Vince Calandra, and Bert Bertoldi. If you've been enjoying this podcast, please leave a five-star rating over at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts, post us on social media, and tell a friend. This has been the Unconquered Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Staples. Thanks for listening. I made this.